Hello, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Endurance Minded. I'm your host, Taylor Thomas, founder and coach at TEC. And on this episode, I have the great pleasure of speaking with Sid Vaughn. Sid is a professional distance runner for the Hoka NAZ Elite team based in Flagstaff, Arizona. And he is also uh, the newest member of our coaching team at TEC. Uh, He specializes in working with runners uh, of all distances and disciplines uh, to help them uh, reach their full potential. And I was really excited to have the opportunity to sit down with Sid and, uh, and talk to him about his, uh, his experiences as an athlete um, at the professional level, uh, as well as his insight uh, as a coach. Um, Sid brings a lot to the conversation when it comes to the nuances of uh, the athlete experience, as well as um, what, it, uh, what it looks like to be a coach, the role that coaches play, um, and how coaches help to facilitate um, the the long-term growth uh, for the athletes that they work with. So Sid and I uh, cover lots of different territories, lots of topics. Uh, a few of the highlights are um, how coaches uh, help Sid, uh, especially early in his career when he was at a really pivotal place um, and uh, wasn't quite as invested uh, as he is now and how uh, having the right coaches helped shift that experience for him and, and really set him on the path that he's, uh, that he's on today. Uh, we talk um, uh, about his experience at the Olympic trials. Um, he put in a, a tremendous amount of effort um, mentally, physically, emotionally in the buildup to that Olympic qualifying uh, marathon. The day, unfortunately, did not go as planned. Um, and we talk about how Sid used that experience to compartmentalize um, what that meant for him as an athlete, the mental skills he had to utilize to pivot around that experience. And this is really probably the best example of this, uh, this outcome based goal that we talk so frequently about on, uh, on endurance minded and how these days so often don't go as planned. And then how do we, uh, use them to, to grow as athletes. And Sid gives us a, a, a ton of insight into what that experience looked and felt like for him and how he ultimately used it as a springboard uh, to come back stronger and, and be where, where he's at uh, currently. Um, we talk about how he used his time last year away from, uh, from high race frequency to focus on the small things um, and how those small things have really added up to be um, uh, make him the runner he, he is today and how now he sees those things as critical components of his success uh, as a runner. Everything from strength training to activation, mobility, stretching, foam rolling, all of the things as athletes that we so often struggle to find time for. Um, Sid, uh, Sid weighs in on, on how uh, he now is able to weight those things with just as much importance uh, as his primary discipline. So uh, tons of great insight from Sid and a really fantastic conversation. Real quick, uh, we are doing a, a get moving challenge on Strava. Um, it's open to everyone. Please join us. It's the TC Athletes Club on Strava. Uh, that's going to run till March 28th. And we just want to encourage people to move. At TEC, we see the value uh, in, in movement uh, and the dedication to that movement. And we want to do our part to encourage that. Um, so uh, check us out, TEC Athletes Club on Strava. Anyone can join, uh, log your movement, whatever it is. Uh, and we're giving away uh, great prizes at the end of the, uh, of the two-week challenge uh, to encourage that dedication to movement. So thanks as always for joining us. Uh, I'm excited for you to listen to my conversation with Sid Vaughn. Sid, welcome to the show. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm excited, man. Um, how's uh, how's things? You're uh, coming off of a big uh, big 10,000 meter win uh, and diving back into uh, race season after a lot of time off, like like all of us. How's it how's it feeling to be uh, dipping your dipping your toe back in the deep end? Yeah, you know the my race in Texas was definitely a uh, a shock to the system just because I really hadn't been training for too long in the grand scheme of things. You know, I think I've been uh, running for maybe like six or seven weeks when I went in that race. So, you know, always getting back on the track is a a true test of fitness. It'll expose anything that you're kind of lacking out there. So it was nice to get a a true feel of where I'm at and, you know, I'm happy to be racing again. It's definitely my favorite part of, 
you know, running in general is competing. So it's always a good feeling to get out there and especially come away with a win. Yeah. Yeah. Congrats, man. That was uh that's a big, that's a big early season uh, win. Like you said, the track uh, has a way of exposing everybody. So if you, uh, if you can lay it down on, uh, on, you know, long distance track, I feel like you got to be feeling pretty good about, about your, uh, about your fitness as it grows through the rest of the season. So um, that's, uh, that's great, man. What's, what's next on the list for you or what's next on the race calendar? Yeah, so I'm uh, actually heading to uh, Jacksonville, Florida. I'm doing the Gate River 15K, which is the uh, U.S. National Championship for 15K road race. Um, it's on March 20th, so I'll be, you know, leaving Flagstaff in uh, a little less than a week here now to, to head out there and, and go get after it. And then I'll, you know, be right back into training after that. Nice, nice. What, um, what's your, what's your kind of stance on, you know, I feel like a lot of folks, you you kind of get like two camps maybe generally where you get folks that are like, um, you know, kind of race themselves into fitness or folks that, you know, maybe have a couple of like key events or, you know, maybe it's even if it's like 10 key events throughout the year, but you know, like some space, like some cadence, what's your, uh, what's your, what's your kind of take and flavor on how you like to space those out or, or do you not? And you just kind of like to like hit it hard and, uh, and be in that environment as much as possible. Yeah. You know, I, I think it all kind of can vary on what your goals are, you know, for the season. So this one for me, you know, I want to make the 10,000 meter Olympic, uh, track trials. And so I originally wasn't going to do that race in, uh, in Texas, uh, because it was so quick into my training, but, uh, you know, I think that if you're a person who you kind of need that like race fitness to really feel like, or kind of race yourself into fitness to feel like you're getting it, um, then, you know, I think that's great. But also, you know, there's a lot to be said about just kind of diving weeks and weeks of training together and just kind of packing it in there and really getting fit. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm happy to have a few more races on the schedule. Cause I feel like I haven't been racing as much as I, um, used to like last fall, obviously with COVID and everything, it kind of shut a lot of things down. So really having opportunities to get out there is kind of the best thing. And, um, you know, I love it. So, but I'm spacing mine out about one race, uh, per month, um, you know, between now and June, just so that I can get in those solid training weeks and stack some mileage and some bigger workouts without having to feel like, Oh, you know, I don't want to go into this race and not feel like I had everything that I could have on the day because I'm, you know, tired from running X amount of miles this week and doing these big workouts heading into it. Um, so, you know, like I said, I think it's just case by case on what your preference is for that. And, you know, you just got to kind of figure that out, uh, for yourself to see what works best. Yeah. Yeah. I think you bring up, uh, you kind of sounds like you're in the same camp. I am. I always make the case that, you know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna race, um, I always like to ask the question, like, does it add value? You know, like, does it, is it something is, you know, and you could look at that in several different lights. You could say, you know, is it, um, am I excited about it? You know, does it get me fired up? Is it gonna, is it going to propel me or like provide a springboard for fitness or like to achieve the long-term things that I want to achieve? Um, you know, and, and because I, I think a lot of folks, they, you know, you end up doing it just, it's kind of like, Oh, cause it's close or, Oh, you know, and that could be fine, but it ends up being junk too, right? Like it wears you down if you race and then it, it, decreases the quality, you know, mentally or physically that you're able to execute afterwards, then it, it maybe wasn't worthwhile, right? Like it's only good if you, if it's a positive benchmark, um, sounds like you're kind of in that same zone. Like you gotta, it's gotta be something that's like allowing you to move the needle and add in value where you can increase fitness, increase mental skills, you know, physical, emotional preparation. Is that kind of where your head's at? Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. You, you nailed it spot on there. You know, if you're not, increasing the fitness with, with the effort, you know, like your body is going to take time to recover from whatever, you know, event or race you're coming off of. And so you're kind of, you know, if you didn't get a lot out of the race, you're kind of setting yourself back because you're having to take that time after the race to make sure you're fully recovered before you get back into hard training. Um, so, you know, I think that what you said was spot on, you know, it's, uh, just kind of springboarding the fitness and using it as a big boost into your training, you know, cause coming off Texas now I feel great in all my training and, you know, I, I, aerobically and my body feels awesome. And I think that it was a, a good boost that I needed and, you know, had it gone the other way, that, that would be no fun. And, you know, the confidence also takes a hit sometimes and that's hard to snap out of if you know, you don't, um, head into the race knowing what to expect out of yourself. Right. Yeah. The mental piece for, you mentioned the confidence. I mean, that, uh, 
that for me always feels like the big one, you know, is it like you, that's a real gamble, you know, cause it's, it, it's, I would argue, and you probably would agree. I think anybody who's, you know, worked to, to, you know, kind of increase fitness or reach their full potential. Like it's, it's easier to get meant to get physical fitness back than mental fitness, right? Like you, that, that ding in your confidence can be a real stumbling block, right? If you're in, if you're in the throes of it and then like, race doesn't go as planned. You got a lot of, you know, a lot invested in that race and then things go sideways. It, uh, that's hard to bounce back from. So that, I always feel like that's, if you're going to race, like I always want to try to make sure, you know, that, that you can do the most you can to like walk away feeling mentally strong, you know, cause that's, this can be a, this can be a dark few weeks, like after a bad race, right. It's just hard to get, get back. What's, um, What's your, uh, what's your story? I'm sure you've had, I mean, we've all had them. What's your, um, your, your story on a race that didn't go as planned and, and, you know, kind of the, uh, how you, how you, how you felt, you know, afterwards and how you kind of clawed your way out of it. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think I can give a better example than, um, the Olympic marathon trials, you know, back in February of, uh, 2020, you know, I really gave a hundred and, you know, 10% of myself into that training block and, you know, really wanted to give myself a shot, you know, to, to be up there and mixing it up with that group. And, um, you know, I had a great training block, my teammates, uh, Scott Smith and Scott Fobble, and we had just been putting in, you know, monster work and feeling great. And it was the best training I'd ever done in my life. And, you know, I got out there on that race and, um, unfortunately there was a fall that happened right in front of me, um, a little over 10 K into the race. And thankfully I, you know, jumped over and managed to stay on my feet. Uh, but in the process of that, I strained my hamstring and that Atlanta course was very hilly. So all the up and down was really taxing on it. And, uh, you know, I think my body kind of started compensating a little bit without me knowing it. Cause you know, I had the adrenaline. I couldn't even really feel my hamstring when it happened. It wasn't until about 15 miles or so I really started to feel it. Um, and I ended up dropping out at, at 20 or at mile 19 or mile 20. I can't fully remember. Um, but you know, that was devastating to me to, be in Atlanta, which is, you know, 90 miles from where I went to college. And a lot of my family lives, um, two and a half hours Southeast down in Augusta. Um, and so a lot of them were out there and I felt really bad, you know, wanting to put out this big race and, you know, just give the best that I could. And for things to go sideways, like that was really tough on me. And so coming off of it, you know, you put in all these months of work and the only race I did heading into it was a half marathon, but we did it in the middle of a hundred mile week. And so, you know, it wasn't a flashy time because my legs were dead tired. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it took me, I'd say, you know, probably because right after that was when COVID hit. And so that was a obviously a big tax mentally as well, because then it's like, okay, well, I was hoping to be able to race sooner than I was able to. But, you know, it took me probably a good uh, eight weeks or so to really come back around and enjoy like the process of training and everything. And, you know, I think uh, the thing that really helped me with that was, you know, I started just meditating a little bit and trying to realize that, you know, one race isn't going to define my entire running career, you know, and there's, it isn't going to be my last Olympic trials, you know, for the marathon, I'm going to run other marathons. And even though this one didn't go well, you know, they're the ones in the future will, I just have to keep, keep training like I did heading into that one and the results will come. And, you know, I was fortunate to get to race uh, the marathon project almost a year later um, in December of 2020 and, you know, went great. I ran a huge PR. Um, and so, you know, I, I got that reward and validation from that race. Yeah, man. Yeah. Pre no, no better uh, example. I, you know, probably than, than, uh, than the Olympic trials. What, um, what's it, what's it feel like? Um, what's it feel like to have, you know, it's one thing when, when it's like if it's a lack of preparation which of course you weren't at risk of of having that happen but you know if it's if it's on us it's one thing right in whatever capacity that it is but in your example that was totally out of your control right like you're you're cruising along and then that kind of you know that happened which which is such a real possibility anytime right on any race right? like so much is out of our control um and, you know, we talk about that a lot on this podcast, this idea that like outcome based goals like a race, all you can do is show up the best version of yourself and then it just unfolds. Right. And hopefully it unfolds in your favor, but, you know, maybe not. So what's it what's that like or what's it feel like it, or, or, you know, and is that process like how you bounce back from that different from how you bounce back if it's something that was in your control? Um, 
yeah, what's that like to kind of have that snatched from you when it's something you didn't do, you know, or, or, you know, it, it, you didn't, you didn't have any control over. Yeah. You know, it, uh, it was definitely heartbreaking at first, you know, just because I, I felt like I'd worked so hard for, you know, uh, I mean, really years heading into it, if you want to, you know, backtrack it to everything that I'd done, but really those months of marathon training that, you know, it, it took a lot out of me and, you know, you feel like you're riding that line of like, Oh, I'm so tired. Like, you know, maybe I like, I need to, uh, be careful because I might be on the brink of injury because I'm pushing myself so hard, you know, but then it's, you know, you know that you just kind of need all those miles on those hard workouts to, to get it done on the race day. And so you just kind of keep making sure that you're doing the little things to stay in there. And so, yeah, it was, it was definitely tough at first. Um, but like you were saying, you know, I, I needed to take a step back because I had this outcome based goal and that was the thing that I wanted in my head, you know, and that was all that mattered to me at the time. But you know, it, it really took me looking back and reflecting on and talking with friends and teammates and family to realize the the process um, that I'd gone through. And like I had mentioned earlier, you know, it was the best training I'd ever done. And so that's the thing when, you know, one race doesn't go that way, all that training you did to um, get to that point, it doesn't just go away, you know, like you build on top of that. And so I think that that's something that I was able to take away. And, and a lot of people should be you know, looking for if, if the same thing happens to them, if that a race, you know, doesn't go as planned, you know, you still did all this work and that your day is going to come, even though it didn't happen on the day you wanted it to. Yeah. Oh yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, man, I think that's such a good point that, you know, that that's the real, that's the real, you know, kind of line that we, we, we walk when we have these big aspirations is if it doesn't go well, it can kind of, you know, dilute the process leading up to that which is a real shame you know because it doesn't it shouldn't detract from the real work that people did i don't care what you know what you're going for whether it's the olympics or um you know just a pr in a regional race or you know a certain distance or something and um but that that happens so often right is it like that thing that 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 day really clouds the real dedication and work and you know investment it took to to get there and so what's, you said you meditated, what's your, uh, what's your advice? I mean, cause it's not like if, but when, right? Like there are, you know, there are going to be plenty of days that don't go as planned. So what's your, uh, what's your toolbox look like for, for getting back, you know, in the saddle and kind of being able to, to, to connect back to that process and find value in that, even when you've been, you know, really disheartened and, and rightfully so, like it's okay too to kind of grieve that day and be like, all right, you know, that was brutal. You know, I really wanted that. And you, it's, you know, those things really, they're in kind of juxtaposed to one against one another, right? We are saying like, Hey, you, you want to care a lot about this thing, but you also need to be able to not care too a little bit. Right. Or, or be able to like move away from that or sidestep it when it, when it doesn't go as planned. So yeah, what's your, um, what's it look like to, to move beyond that and, and kind of tie back into the process? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the, the biggest thing for me, like I mentioned was, um, you know, after, after the day, obviously right away, like you were saying, you're going to have that kind of grief period, but, you know, obviously running can be very emotional, but I've tried to kind of channel that to make it a little more positive for the days that don't go well. So I kind of generally give myself, you know, one day, if, if the race didn't go well, I have one day to kind of sulk about it, you know, be to myself and, you know, I try not to bring others down. So, you know, if we're, like the day that my Olympic dream didn't come through or come true, my teammate, uh, Alephine, hers did. And, you know, I'm not going to be, uh, you know, sad and all that while we're celebrating her, because obviously it was great to see her have that happen. But, you know, I, I generally have a 24 hour rule there. And then, you know, like I said, I surround myself with friends and family. And so I generally, after like a huge a race like that, I'll take a, uh, a little break of running, you know, a week or two weeks and, you know, just kind of do other things like hobbies that I have. And, um, you know, I'm kind of living away from all my family and friends now out West. And so I like to spend, you know, my time away from running with them. And so I'll fly back, uh, you know, down to Louisiana or Georgia and go spend time with, you know, friends, family, and probably go to the beach or, you know, depending on the time of year. And within that time, that's where I like kind of reflect on everything and look at what I did, um, leading up to it and be like, okay, like, did I do everything that I possibly could have? Was I doing all this stuff right? And, you know, what went right, what went wrong? And then, you know, try and capitalize on that for the next block. And then remember those things while I'm training for whatever my next uh, goal is. Yeah. I love the reflection piece. That's great. I, I think, 
it's hard to lean into that sometimes, right? Like you don't want to kind of live in that space. I mean, you know, cause it, if it didn't go well, the likelihood of you kind of wanting or being excited to reflect on it may not be, you know, high, but I think that's where so much growth can come from as an athlete is if you, if you really lean into that and you, like you said, you take time to reflect and, and say, you know, and you use it as like a learning tool and say, okay, well, you know, how are we going to use that to capitalize on the next opportunity and the next experience? Um, that's, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Um, I want to, uh, I want to ask, um, I want to, uh, derail us a little bit because I'm curious, you are, um, you're the youngest of, of nine. Um, uh, right. Uh, yep. Okay. Um, and, (laughs) and, uh, and so I'm curious, you know, if that, you know, I don't know, is there, uh, you know, sibling rivalry and, and you being the youngest, like, and now you're a professional athlete is, is that, are those connected at all? You know, what, what did your kind of upbringing and, and, and being in that, um, I'm not saying it was negative, but I mean, that's a lot of people fighting for attention, you know? And so, yeah, what was that? How did that kind of play itself out? And do you think it's manifested itself at all? If, you know, as, as an adult and a professional athlete? Yeah. You know, I, I think, uh, it, it definitely played a big role in my upbringing because, uh, obviously I was, you know, the smallest, um, by far the youngest by far. And so, you know, I, when my, uh, siblings were playing sports, I wanted to play with them. So, you know, we played everything, football, basketball, baseball, but you know, the one that always comes back to my head is when I was playing basketball, my brother, who was, you know, he's over six, six foot. And he, you know, at the time was probably like five eleven, and I was only maybe, maybe five foot even when we'd be playing and he would not take it easy. I mean, anytime I put up a shot, he would block it and be yelling in my face, you know, just like really giving it to me. Um, and so, you know, I think that, that, uh, kind of, environment growing up I had it with a lot of my siblings you know just kind of um never taking it easy I mean it really made me competitive you know so I hated losing more than anything growing up and I think that kind of helped me have this drive and passion to be the best that I can you know just because it's uh it was kind of ingrained in me at an early age and so you know my uh my brother now I could definitely beat him in basketball and all these other sports but we're competitive about everything whenever I go back home you know we we're doing anything and everything like whether it's ping pong bowling doesn't matter we're screaming at each other um trying to get each other's head <laughs> to uh win <laughs> uh that's great yeah I, I would imagine it has to uh it, i mean you know it, it probably is a no brainer but yeah it has to have an impact you know that just and I think for the good, you know, like it's, it's nice to have that. So, so off, so, so rarely, you know, in life are we like really pushed to be like the best versions of ourselves. And if you have eight other people basically like forcing you to be like, you have to be the best version of yourself or you're going to get left behind. Right. Um, that has yep. to, that has to put you in a position to really thrive in a, in a good way. Um, man, that's awesome. So, so you, uh, so youngest to nine and then you grow up and you go, did you run in high school? I did. Yeah. So I, uh, am originally from Baton Rouge, but, uh, my mom, uh, moved to Augusta whenever I was, um, younger. And so I went to all of my high school in Augusta, uh, Georgia, a little town right next to it called Evans. So yeah, so I ran in high school, um, all, all four years, uh, my, high school coach was really the one, you know, my first two years, I wasn't as committed, but, uh, yeah, two of my high school coaches really kind of, um, I think they saw the potential that I could have and they really kind of helped, uh, nurture and, and cultivate, you know, my, my love for it without, you know, really forcing me to do it. They just kind of opened my eyes to it a little more. Yeah. What, um, I, I what role, I mean, so you're in a, you're in a great or an interesting position that, you know, not a lot of people get the opportunity to be in. And that is you have for, for probably most of your life, certainly your running life and correct me if I'm wrong, but you've, you've been coached, um, you know, so then you went on to college, right. And then you, uh, and then, you know, yep. went on to, to run, uh, you know, kind of, um, semi, uh, professionally and then so on. So what, um, what role has that, you know, I guess very simply, like what role have those coaches played in your, in your life, uh, from high school up until now? I mean, you're, you're running for a professional team that, that has a, uh, under a world renowned coach and, 
um, what, uh, yeah, what impact has that had and what, um, how, you know, how important is that role for, for you as an athlete? Yeah, you know, um, I, I think my coaches at, at every level have been a huge um, help and have impacted, you know, my career and got me to where I am. And, you know, I think it really takes having a coach to be able to get the best version of yourself because, you know, it's, it's hard to take the outside look whenever you're in the moment of like training and doing all these things, because like, you can think that, you know, like, okay, I have all this knowledge and I know what I'm doing and all these things. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, you can't have that, uh, outside perspective of like, oh man, maybe shouldn't push this hard. Shouldn't do this. Need to, you know, back off here or push this. And, you know, the day, especially the days whenever it's tough, you have accountability, you know, on days when you don't want to do something and you're like, oh, this is a really hard workout. I don't know. But, you know, obviously you're going to get it done if you, you know, someone went through the time and effort of like, you know, investing in you. Um, I feel like you should get the same investment back. Um, so I just, yeah, I think having a coach is, um, you know, you can't get the most out of yourself. It's really hard to do it. You know, I mean, you can, but it's, it's very hard to do. Yeah. 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 No, I, I agree. Uh, obviously I'm, I'm biased, but, um, I, uh, I do think, you know, and I, again, I think that's so often people, um, you know, I I think coaches, so, well, I don't know. So, so often people think coaches are reserved for, you know, I think very honestly, I mean, probably people like yourself, right? Like people who perform at the highest level, they're like, Oh, those, those people, you know, those people need, uh, coaches. And I think that to your point, like just that, that, that relationship with a coach and that ability to have someone who has a vested interest in your success outside of you is a really, you know, kind of rare, uh, and, and really, you know, special thing. Um, you said, uh, you said that for the first two years in high school, you weren't, uh, super, super committed or dedicated to running. And then you had some coaches get you into it. I'm curious what, what was, what did that turning point look like? And, you know, how did, what flipped the switch? What did they say? What did that experience look and feel like to, to get you? Obviously that set the course more or less for your life up until this point. So that had to be pretty impactful. What did that, what did that look like? Yeah, for sure. You know, it kind of took, uh, like I said, you know, I've, I've worked on this, but I used to be like very, you know, if I didn't have a good one in my first couple years of high school, I'd, you know, be, uh, freaking out and so upset and all these things. And, uh, but you know, I wasn't really putting in the work when I needed to, like, you know, I, it, like, let's say it was cross country season. And I, you know, I, I had all these aspirations of being like one of the top runners in the state of Georgia and trying to win a state title and things like that. But, you know, June and July down South, it's really hot. So I was like, you know, I don't really feel like running. It's so hot and humid. I'm not getting out there, you know, but then kind of took, you know, my coaches telling me like, look, man, you, this is a long-term investment here. You know, you really have to commit to the entire process of it. You can't just be like, okay, now that it's August and races are coming up, like I'm going to start running now and then expect to be, you know, really good. Um, when it counts because it's like, I'm months behind people that have been putting in, in the work. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's that? I mean, that's a great point into, you know, in and of itself is we, it's so hard to see the forest through the trees, right. Or, or, or realize what that runway kind of needs to look like when it's, when it's far away. Um, and truthfully, when we need to start, it's probably always further away than we want it to be, right? Like when we're, you know, when it's the dead of winter, like, you know, that's when we need to be doing the work that that pays off in the summer, but it's hard, right? We don't want to do that. It seems like another world away. What, um, what, what do you, what do you do to, to kind of clarify that runway in your mind and, and keep that focus and, and and maybe more specifically, like make that runway more clear, right? Because I think that that's where a lot of people get derailed is they can't, they can see from like A to Z, but everything in between is is hard, right? It's hard to know what that process is supposed to look like. So how do you, how do you get that all straight in your mind and, and keep, you know, keep the, the stoke and fire alive? Yeah, you know, I mean obviously there are going to be days like you were mentioning and especially obviously winter time is very hard if you live in a cold frigid 
area and you know if you're lucky to be able to get outside you still might be in the snow but you might be on the treadmill you know if you live in the midwest or something um but i think you know once you've sat down and kind of aligned your um plan and design your race schedule you know and had that talk with your coach and figured out what you're going to be doing for you know like you were saying you have a to z like i was mentioning earlier my main goal is the olympic uh track trials for 10,000 meter um but there's a lot of time between now and then you know it's only march and that's that race still three months away. So it's like, Oh, like maybe I didn't even really need to start training until now. But the thing is, it's like, if I, if you want to be your best on the day, you know, you kind of have to just keep the mindset of that. So like the days you don't want to do it, you know, like, let's say someone's going for their Boston qualifier, you know, like that's what they need to be thinking about on the day they don't want to run and be like, you know, but when I get that BQ, it's going to feel great. Um, you know, and, and this is what I'll look back on and be like, man, I'm really glad I went out and did, that, you know, hour run that I really didn't want to do on a really tough day. And I, you know, got myself through it. And I feel like you can kind of build momentum off of that too, because, you know, you just kind of keep stacking brick by brick, um, your days and weeks and they start to build on top of each other. And before you know it, you know, you're like, Oh, I've really put together a lot of training here. Um, and it, and it feels like it went by in the blink of an eye. Yeah, that's great. I, I I'm curious, you know, one of the things you just mentioned, got me thinking this, I, I love this, this idea of, um, this balance of like, uh, there's, there's, there's lots of days when you need to, you're not going to feel like it and you need to do the work, right? Consistency is king. You have to show up, um, if you want to, to reach any goal. And I, I've, I've, you know, maybe famously at this point, because I think I've said it a lot, uh, is that, you know, if you wait around for the perfect opportunity, you're going to be waiting a long time, right? So you can't wait, oh, I'm t- you know, I don't feel, I'm tired, I'm hungry. Like some days you just got to execute. But just somewhere around that or on the other side or back behind it, there you need to rest, right? Or you need, it's not the right day. And, you know, famously, and maybe you know, I'm sure you can attest to this or at least have more insight into this than I do. But, you know, the thing that 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 top level athletes do the best is not train, right? Recover, right? All the things, all the all the little stuff, right? We always want it's sexier to talk about 120 mile weeks and big burly workouts. And that is I mean, that is, you know, valid and it's cool. But all the stuff not when you're not doing that is right. And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, that's what that's what adds up. So my question is, or my thought is, how do we, how do you find that balance? Like, how do you know when to push maybe you, or if you're, you know, if you're, you know, someone else who isn't a professional athlete, where, how do we find that balance? Cause there are days when you don't, you shouldn't show up, right? You probably should, you probably should hit the foam roller and go to bed. Right. Um, or there's days when you might have to dig deep and get it done maybe, you know, shut the alarm off, get out of bed, make it happen. Maybe you're tired. So I don't know what's, I feel like that's a very precarious line, right? Like you're, you're, we're always kind of one foot, especially as, as you're starting to really ramp up your training. Cause there's, you're tired, right? I mean, fitness only follows fatigue. So yeah. How does that, how do we manage that? Or, you know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the biggest component of that is, uh, you know, figuring out your body, um, and being sure that you listen to it, um, whenever it's telling you, you know, that something is off, uh, you know, could, could be a number of things. It it could just be general overall fatigue and you're, you know, out for a run and you're just like, man, I have nothing like, you know, maybe you cut it a little short that day because you're exhausted or like you were saying, you know, you just wake up and you feel off and you're like, oh, I don't really know if I should push this. And, you know, you just got to kind of figure out if it's just fatigue um, and that's what your body's feeling, or, you know, you just need to know yourself and be like, okay, yeah, like something's a little off. Like I shouldn't push myself today. I should let my body recover, do a little bit of foam rolling, maybe some mobility. Um, you know, I don't know if it's something a little more serious, maybe go see um, a physio or something. And if something feels, you know, like it's hurting or something like that, but yeah, I just think knowing, knowing your body is the biggest component of that because you're the only one who knows how you feel. Um, you know, overall you can tell other people, but you don't really know how bad or like whoever you're telling doesn't know how bad it is. Um, only you do. Yeah. Right. What's your, uh, what's your, what's your take kind of generally on, you know, there's lots of ways to get at that, especially now, 
I, I I'll I'll say I completely agree. Um, and and that's a fantastic point. There's lots of ways to get at that now, though. That used to be, you know, 10, 15 years ago, or maybe even five years ago, when we said stuff like that, that was like, you really had to like, listen, sit with your body, understand, go through enough training to kind of understand what's going on. And that's still the case. But now we have wearables, right? We have all kinds of stuff that tells us, yeah. in theory, what that what that kind of, we, we, we quantify some of these things that used to be very kind of like soft metrics or soft skills or, you know, not, not quantifiable. So how do you, what's your take on just, you know, do we use those or, you know, do we, how do we balance, uh, some of this technology with just knowing what's good for ourselves and knowing how to listen. And I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a lot of data to look at, you know, uh, whether it's your, um, you know, your watch and you connect it to a, a heart rate strap, you just pay attention to wrist-based heart rate. And you're like, oh man, my heart rate is super high today. And I was doing an easy run. You know, it's like my heart was in the 170s, 180s. And I felt like, you know, the pace is really slow, but it felt super hard. That's obviously going to be a sign that you're pretty worn down if that's the case. Um, but, you know, there's other things out there that can even tell you recovery, you know, like I, I haven't personally used it, but I know whoop is a big, um, thing that a lot of people are using. One of my roommates uses it. It seems really cool. You know, it tells you your recovery percentage. And if you wear it during your workouts and things like that, it would tell you how much strain you put on yourself. And so I think that can be a great tool. Uh, one thing I like to do as well, um, that I've done, you know, throughout, um, even in my collegiate days was I would get blood work done. Um, so, you know, I can see my levels at the beginning of a block in the middle and just to make sure that, you know, I'm not, um, deficient on any kind of, uh, vitamins, supplements, things like that. If I need to start adding things into my diet, um, you know, there's just so, so much you can do. Like you were saying, it's not just like, okay, I have to <laughs> try and figure this out. There's a lot of technology that can help. Yeah. I love the blood work piece. That's great. I, you know, that definitely is something that I, I've, I've encouraged a lot of athletes over the years. You know, if that's something that I think feels for just kind of, you know, general recreational athletes or, you know, uh, whatever that feels like a little out of reach sometimes or maybe, but man, like having those blood panels, like you said, just seeing like, you know, I mean, especially with, um, you know, things nowadays that are so, um, uh, pervasive, like vitamin D deficiencies, you know, and B12 and, um, and then like, you know, uh, iron anemia and some of these things that can really impact your energy levels and you never know. Right. And all, I mean, it can be a very simple fix. Like you said, like diet, right. And you could just say, Hey, I just need to, or a supplement, you know, and, um, yeah, that's a great point. I, I think that's something that, that, is a really kind of active way to understand your body that that doesn't have anything to do with training, right? Like you can do something like that. It's not, you know, like you said, once every, you know, eight, six, eight, 12 weeks or whatever it is, once every quarter and uh, really understand what's, um, what's going on. Um, yeah. Yeah. Athletes of all you know, capabilities should be, um, you know, doing it if it's something they're interested in and, and seeing it, it's a great, check up in the beginning. And then obviously, like you were saying, in, in the middle, you're stacking that fitness, but fatigue is right there with it. And so if you want to make sure that, you know, it's like, okay, am I just tired from training or has my, you know, is my iron really down? And it's something as simple as like going and buying an iron supplement to get your energy back up. I mean, that's a pretty, pretty easy call there to go get the, the blood work done and be like, boom, I can just fix this with, you know, some ferritin. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Have you, have you, uh, have you personally experienced any like, uh, like iron deficiencies or iron deficiency anemia or any of these like things that have, has a blood panel shown you something that you could fix? Have you experienced that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, one of my biggest things was whenever I got, you know, I had my iron tested a lot, uh, you know, once a, I say a lot, once a semester in college just to see, and you know, my, my general level was standard. It wasn't high by any means, but it wasn't low. Um, but once I, moved to altitude and then got into heavier training. Um, I had a blood panel done and I realized that my, uh, my blood cells, like their the size of them was, uh, and the quantity was like basically showing that I was obviously up here and I was training, but I basically wasn't recovering and I felt so bad all the time. And I just didn't understand why. And 
what was wrong. And so it really just took, I needed to back off uh, for two weeks and just run easy. Um, and then I, thanks to that blood panel, I went from running, honestly, probably the worst race of my life in a cross country race in Tallahassee. Uh, it was my first race for NAZ. It went horrible. And then I ran a half marathon PR, um, I think four or six weeks later. Um, and it wasn't wow. the training between, you know, that time that really led to that. It was the fact of like, okay, like I'd done all that training going into it and I felt so bad and I didn't know why I just felt, I was like, man, I'm just not really getting any fitness. I don't understand. Like I've been doing all these workouts and all this running and nothing's coming. And then, yeah, it just took dialing it back for two weeks, um, and taking things easy. And then I, um, you know, only did a couple little workouts in my half marathon that I ran a half marathon PR on a, a very challenging course. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. I, that's like, that's massive. <laughs> I didn't, uh, yeah, I, you know, I think that's such a hard thing too, that, that, I mean, it really, it touches on a lot of different kind of ideas in my head, but that this one, this kind of idea of like, I, I think so many people, you know, across the spectrum, no matter what level you're, you're, you know, training at or, or, you know, or racing at or whatever, what goal you're going for. So many people really struggle to, to grasp that more training doesn't always, you know, isn't guaranteed to equal the results you want, right? Like, to, like if you would have more continued to more. train, it, it, what's that? I said more isn't always more. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And that's a hard thing for people to wrap their heads around. Like, I mean, we were just conditioned as athletes to say, okay, I'm just, I just, I guess I just need to be doing more, right? Or, or I guess I just need, uh, maybe it needs to be harder. You know, like if I'm not getting the fitness that I'm hoping to get, it must be something to do with, with like training. Um, and I, I think that again, just like that mindset that you're talking about, that the, the comfort with like pulling back, knowing that pulling back really means forward progress. Right. Um, and that's a, that's a hard thing for people to, to wrap their heads around. Cause it feels like you're losing ground, right? You have to work so hard admittedly to get you hate to like take two weeks off or you know whatever um when that when that happens for you like what's your um i mean maybe not in that particular instance where you had like clear-cut data to say hey that my blood panels you know showing that i, I clearly mm -hmm. am not you know there's something physiologically that needs to be you know kind of rectified but um just these normal like peaks and valleys i mean there's times when it's going to feel like you're not making forward progress. How do you, how do you keep your sights set on the future and, and know that that, you know, going backwards can really be going forwards sometimes. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it, it takes a good conversation, uh, with your coach and over the, the training that you're going to be doing. And, you know, if you're in the middle of a heavy block and you're just like, man, I feel terrible, but I mean, you know, that's, ultimately how you're supposed to feel, then that's okay. You know, as long as you just know that you're not overdoing it. Um, cause I mean, obviously uh, the marathon specifically is a challenging, challenging distance. Um, and so you kind of have to put yourself through it a little bit before you get, you know, you can't just never experience, uh, you know, pain and discomfort and things like that, uh, due to, you know, high volume and some high intensity stuff. And then expect to, you know, do great over 26.2 miles. Cause your body kind of needs to experience that. You got to figure out, you know, all these little things with it. And so I think it just takes, you know, having an, uh, an understanding and having that talk with your coach of knowing like, Hey, am I supposed to be feeling like really bad right now? Or is this something off? And, you know, obviously they're going to know, um, how you're supposed to be feeling. And if something is off, they'll be able to tell you like, yeah, man, it shouldn't be that bad or, you know, or, or you should be feeling a little tired now. Right. Yeah. What, um, I I've, I've kind of, one of the ways I like to, um, kind of talk about training with athletes is this idea that, you know, training and, and you talking about this kind of like feeling this, some amount of discomfort so that you can be prepared for something that is hard, right? Like you can't do a hard thing if you've never done hard stuff, right? Like, the, but, but, but it's in some sort of balance. So I've talked about training and, and kind of I've positioned it to say like, you know, every a workout is fitness is a byproduct of, of it. But what it really is, is the opportunity for you to have an experience that allows you to kind of compartmentalize 
um, components of what you're going to experience on any given, you know, race day or a day that you're going to execute on your goal, you know, and then in doing so your, your body adapts to that, but it's, it's almost like for me, it's, it fitness is kind of like, that's a nice surprise, right? Like it's more about like the mental, you're like, Oh, I know what this feels like to push at this pace up this type of hill. And over time you just kind of like subconsciously build this, this like Rolodex or roster of these experiences where on race day, you're like, boom, you know, my, my hope with athletes is I'm always like, man, I'd love for you to be able to just like not think about it and react because you've had enough training to know how to respond in that scenario. Um, but I'm curious, like, how do you, is that, you know, does that go through your mind when you're training and, and like when you're on, when you're in race day, you're like pulling from those experiences or is it just kind of like raw fitness or what's that, what's that feel like and kind of look like for you? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I really, uh, think you, you hit it spot on there again. Uh, like for my last marathon that I ran, for example, you know, one of my least favorite, uh, workouts to do is like a fast finish long run, uh, which, you know, it's generally, you know, you're doing, I don't know, let's say you're 16 miles in your long run and they're like, all right, I want to run the next, I'm going to run the next four to six miles at my marathon pace, you know, and your legs are tired because you've already been running for, you know, probably decently close to two hours or, or more. And you're just like, Oh man, I'm, my legs are tired, but now I'm going to try and run this marathon pace on tired legs. Um, and you know, lo and behold at the marathon that I ran in December, when I hit, uh, 23 miles, my legs got tired. I was like, Oh, I've done this so many times in workouts. Like I know my body's going to make it. And I know that I can start, you know, really pushing because like I've been here before, um, you know, and, and proven to myself that I can do it, you know, I'm, I'm going to battle. And that's where I think on some days when, you know, let's say you're just having an off day, um, you know, you don't feel great in a workout. It's nothing to do with like, you know, how your body is doing or anything like that. You're just having a little bit of an off day. Like, it's just so good to stick those things out because, you know, you'll remember that, that you did it and you're like, okay, like that day didn't go well, but mentally, you know, I stayed in it and I got through it. And then on race day, that'll pay off when, if I hit a rough patch, you know, cause obviously 26 miles you're out there for such a long time, a rough patch is bound to happen. You know, it's, it's, uh, yeah. I don't know anyone that's ever gone through an entire marathon and been like, yeah, I felt great the entire time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Who's nobody. Yeah. Not, not me. That's for sure. Um, what, uh, I, do you, do you, I don't want to say seek out, but I guess like when you hit those rough patches in training, and you have enough experience now, I'm sure as a, you know, as a high level runner, uh, who's, who runs a lot of volume and frequency, like when you hit those rough, rough patches, are you able to like realize that in that moment on the other side of that is going to be something positive or does it still suck? I mean, it's always going to suck, but you know, like I, is it, is there more clarity in those, in those really kind of dark times mentally and physically during hard workouts or, or is it still just like you can't see the forest through the trees, you know, in those, in those moments. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, there, there's a little clarity, but I think it's more of the fact of the matter of like, if it's just me not sucking it up and getting it done, you know, I'm going to be pretty frustrated at myself for not finishing the workout kind of thing. Um, and then like, I know I've done so like I've had uh, quite a few workouts just not go well, but I've really just kind of had to suck it up and finish. And because of that, like I've, like afterwards and like, Oh man, I'm really glad that I did that because if this moment presents itself where it's that bad, like I know I can do it. Um, yeah. So I, I think that that's kind of the, the best way to go about it. You know, you just kind of, there are some that I've, you know, pulled the plug on and been very disappointed in myself, but I just know that if I don't do it, I'm like, man, why did you not just, you know, stick it out for another couple miles? Like, cause you know, who knows me if I kept grinding, then I might've felt better uh, and been able to finish it even faster than I thought I was going to. Yeah. It's so hard. I mean, that just proves like it's, I mean, it's, it's so, I mean, we know, you know, everyone knows this or most people, but I mean, it's so much in your head, right? Like it doesn't, it's so hard to override that in the moment, like someone like yourself who has, you know, conceivably, you know, all the skills you need and tools you need to be successful and, and a lot of experience in racing. And then like, still like it's when you're in that space and your brain, you know, and is screaming at you. Um, that's a hard thing to override sometimes impossible, right? You can't override it. Um, there's going to be, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be, uh, they're going to be happy to hear you say that. You know, I think that's a misnomer, right? That like professional athletes or some like super, like they, they're always just execute. Right. And I think 
Um, wow, tell me if I'm wrong, but yeah, not, not the case. I mean, everybody, right. It's just part of being an athlete, right? It, it, it's just a sliding scale. You, you might be doing, you're doing more and, and going faster, but it's the same, you know, um, you know, the perception is the same, right. In relation to your body's ability. Um, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's great. Um, uh, kind of in the same, uh, mental side of things, I, I'm curious, what, what I'm seeing now with athletes, um, is, you know, and I was having, I was having, this, I've had several conversations, uh, with athletes and, and even, uh, conversations with our coaching team about like, um, you know, it, we took essentially all last year off from more or less, right. I know you had some races and everybody had some stuff they could kind of piece together usually, but everybody's a little rusty right? Like it's, you know, as coaches, we're like, oh, okay, we got to, oh, we got to, you know, kind of get back together and get, you know, tight and get focused on races. And then athletes are, you know, racing skills. Some of these just kind of things it takes to racing is the only way to, to, to get these things sharp. How, how does that feel? I mean, are there, has there been a, I know you did some racing and the marathon project was at the end of 2020, but, um, is, has that been a transition for you, like mentally to kind of get sharp again and, you know, and, and kind of get your, get back into a year where it, it, you know, looks like we're going to have a, um, a, a decent, you know, kind of halfway normal race calendar after last year, or are you still feeling, you know, pretty sharp or, you know, has there been any difference there and just shifting gears in, in 2021 and kind of trying to, you know, get back into the real grind and, and, and the sharp end of the spear? Yeah. You know, I think, uh, throughout, uh, obviously last year with, with COVID and everything, there was so much uncertainty. So not having any races for a while was, was tough because in the beginning you're kind of like, okay, well, what do I need to be doing right now? Because I don't know when my next race opportunity is going to be. Do I need to be kind of hammering away at the grindstone because I'm going to pop up or do I need to just be taking it easy? Uh, so I think more so than anything, I'm just kind of heading into every race is like thankful that there's an opportunity to get on a start line, you know? Um, and so I think that that's been amazing. Like I've really just been enjoying the entire process, you know, being able to train with all my teammates cause you know, that was tough for a while. Um, and just being able to go to these races and have, have the chance to show off, you know, the, the work that I've done and the, the fitness I've put together. And so, I think that everyone should, you know, whatever race you have coming up, just, you know, really enjoy the whole thing and really try and get the most out of it because we went through such a long period of like, man, I don't know when I'm going to get to do this again. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's a great perspective in that, you know, if nothing else, like it's just a good experience, you know, we've seen that that experience can be altered and even taken away from us as athletes. And, and so if, if, you know, if you choose to push yourself in a, in a race environment, like above all else, just, just be thankful for the experience, right. And, and go in with an open mind and, um, and the ability to kind of soak it all up. Cause you know, yeah, you don't, you don't know. Um, you touched on one thing and I, you know, this is a little bit backtracking, I guess, just kind of timeline wise for where we're at, but I think it's still relevant because, we're still in this kind of, you know, a little bit of purgatory where things aren't, you know, we're obviously not out of the woods yet. So what, you know, you, you said that, you know, last year kind of changed things up and it was hard to know when to kind of ramp up because you didn't know what the races are going to look like. And it was hard to, so what, what were your, you know, what did that look like for you? Like, what were your kind of go-tos to just like keep things sharp um, and keep feeling like you were moving the needle if you didn't have something, you know, maybe four weeks in front of you, like you maybe normally would. And like you said, you have now, what what did that, you know, what were your kind of tools there? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think mainly I just focused on a lot of, uh, like focusing on a lot of weaknesses. So, you know, I had that strained hamstring that I was dealing with from, uh, that fall that happened in front of me in Olympic trial. So I was doing a lot of rehab mobility, which, uh, it ended up being tough though, because, you know, obviously I wasn't able to, um, get into the gym and the weight room and stuff. And I don't have, um, all that stuff at my, in my fingertips here at my home. So that was a little tough, but I, you know, found ways and reached out to people to try and get some exercises to do on that stuff. And then, um, making sure I was on top of all the little things, you know, because it's like, you have more time than ever to do foam rolling, stretching, anything that, you know, you can do to help your body. I was like, I have so much ample time to do this. I have no excuse. Like I need to be on top of this. 
Uh, so that was kind of like my number one focus. Uh, and then, you know, I kind of just did very, uh, like base phase type training. You know, I wasn't doing super high mileage, but I was doing kind of that moderate range and I was doing, uh, you know, I was going and running places where like I generally wouldn't take the time to go out to and run. Like if, you know, cause in Flagstaff here, there's so many places to run. It's just like, I'm like, Oh, this one's close. Like I'll go here, you know, but I was driving a little further out. Cause it's like, Oh, this is like my one time out of the house of the day is to go for this run. So I'd, you know, maybe drive like 45, 50 minutes one way, um, and go run there. And I was just kind of doing, uh, you know, like fart licks and shorter tempos and stuff. So that I had good, like general fitness, but I wasn't necessarily like race sharp and ready. Um, because you know, if something did pop up, I was like, okay, well it's not going to be like the week before they're like, okay, Hey, this race is happening. You know, it's like, I'll know a little bit beforehand. So I'll have this general fitness and then I can sharpen up a little bit on whatever the distance is. Um, obviously I knew I wasn't running a marathon. So I was like, I'll be good for like a half marathon down doing this kind of training. Right. Yeah. I, I think, and I, you know, I have argued, it's not much of an argument. I just, I just said it like that. I mean, that really, that time I, I, it really allowed us the opportunity to like focus on, like you said, these things that you don't necessarily have time for, you didn't make time for, um, to really lean into. Do you feel like when you like some of those things that you focused on, have you carried that into or over to now that you're back into like more high volume phases? Did it shift the way you kind of compartmentalize or prioritize some of these things that maybe you were, weren't doing or felt like you didn't really make the time for before? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, you know, like I, I'd say where I really stepped up my game the most has been my like pre-run activation. You know, I used to just be like, all right, like, you know, I'm, I'm out the door. Like, you know, I don't need to do anything before this run. Like I'm good. I'm just going to lace up the shoes and go. Um, but now, you know, I, I have this pre-run activation routine that, uh, you know, my coaches have put together and I feel like now if I went for a run without them, I would feel terrible. You know, I just feel significantly better doing that kind of thing and kind of made the weight room, um, a big emphasis as well. Just like, um, you know, not lifting heavy weight or anything, but just focusing on, the exercises that really work, um, you know, the muscle groups that I need to make sure that my body's feeling great and strong in the areas it needs. Yeah. Do you, uh, what's your, you know, that's such a hard, that's such a hard thing for, for those of us who are focused on, you know, endurance disciplines, it can be really challenging, um, to prioritize the strength training side of things with the same weight that we do, you know, if you're a runner, you're like, I want to go for a run, right? Typically, you mm-hmm. know, if you're a cyclist, you want to spend, if you got 15 hours a week, you want to spend 15 hours doing the thing that you're, you're excited about. What's your, uh, you know, you feel like that, that, um, you feel like that should be weighted, like the strength piece. Is that, are you able to kind of say, Hey, this is, I'm going to make this as much as my run piece. Are you seeing that value now? Like as a result of your effort last year? Yeah, for sure. Um, it, it definitely has helped. Uh, you know, I, I think having that piece has really helped me grow as, as a runner, you know, cause I, even whenever I was first out of college, like in college, we did a little bit of strength stuff, but not really a lot. Um, and then when I first got out of college, I did none, you know, I was like, uh, you know, I just did not focus on it at all. And then I got here to Flagstaff and started working out and doing all these things. And now it's, you know, I can just tell that, you know, my core strength is a lot stronger. Um, I can, do a lot of these Olympic lifts that I've had no idea even how, you know, that I couldn't even do, um, before I got here. And I just feel like such a a more powerful athlete than I used to. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a, you know, and I love that concept of just, just like being athletic almost first. Right. And then you're like, insert your primary discipline, right? Like to be strong, uh, there's value in that, right? And then you take the application, you know, or that strength and you apply it to your discipline and that makes you, makes you better, right? Like strength is strength. And if you apply it the right way, like, you know, you're going to be a, a better runner. And that's the thing I've seen the most, you know, for me personally, like as I've aged and, and done different sports and, you know, from professional cyclist to ultra distance mountain runner and, you know, a long distance skier and everything in between, like, man, you got to be athletic first. Like you got to lead with that. Right. And you got to be strong and capable. And then you just fine tune it to get to the sport you want to, you want to be, uh, or you want to, you know, you want to excel at in that, you know, 
in that time, especially for lifelong athletes, right? Because you could be lots of different things, right? Like you could be, you know, you, you know, life is long, hopefully. So you could be a runner for a long time and then you might find something else you want to be, you know, <laughs> for a while or shift that, that, uh, that, uh, that focus. Um, uh, yeah, man, cool. Any, any parting words? I, uh, I love, I love the, the focus on just this like mental compartmentalization and like doing the small things and like making sure that these, these like small, you know, that everything adds up to the big, to the big picture and that like no one thing is greater than the sum of the parts. Um, exactly. but yeah. Any, uh, any, any parting words? No, man, I just really appreciate you having me on and, uh, you know, really looking forward to, um, you know, hopefully doing this again in the future. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll have you back on, man. This is, uh, this is great. We'll have to do a, uh, we'll have to do a follow-up after, uh, after you get some racing on your belt and, um, uh, inquiring minds, you know, want to know what the, uh, what the Olympic buildup is going to look like. And, uh, and, uh, obviously we, uh, we're rooting for you, uh, at, uh, at TEC and, um, yeah, man. Thanks, Sid. It's uh, it's a blast, and uh, always appreciate your uh, your input and uh, and perspective on things. Yeah, thank you, Taylor. I appreciate it.